Well, hello again. This is Dick Foth with stories to make sense of it all. Recording this on June 19th, 2020. It's um, sort of midway between Memorial Day on the one hand and July the 4th on the other. On June the 10th, 75 years ago, I was a little over three years old and I was standing on the streets of New York City with my parents. The year was 1945. We were on our way as a missionary family to South India as missionary educators. They were the missionary educators. I was the kid just along for the ride. And uh, there was a huge parade in New York City. And the reason for the parade is captured in this clip, newsreel clip from that day with the voice of a famous commentator in that day by the name of Lowell Thomas. Here it is. This arrival by air begins a record-breaking ovation. New York and General Eisenhower. With New York's Mayor LaGuardia, the commander of victory in Europe proceeds to the climax of his welcome home. New York is really set for a triumph. That must be the key to Brooklyn. Central Park, tens of thousands of school children, miles of them along the line of the drive through the park. Down Fifth Avenue, through immense cheering crowds. Lady, control your enthusiasm. He personifies victory in the bitter war against the brutal Nazi enemy. So here I am. Standing on the street, looking at people's kneecaps. My dad, I'm sure, held me up at some point, and I was able to see what was going on. The Nazi regime had surrendered in May. The Japanese would surrender in August. And this was at the heart of it. And General Dwight David Eisenhower was a symbol of uh, a soldier who had won. I want to talk about soldiering and freedom over these next three podcasts. And we're going to try to get these next three out in the next three weeks. So we'll see how that works. And I want to begin by thinking about soldiers as warriors. Life, and I'm, I'm sort of uh, capturing this in, the, in this phrase, life may be a journey, but it's also a fight. There are lots of things we fight through and fight for in our lives. And so I, I just take a snapshot of Scripture and look at soldiers in the Scripture, just two or three, that capture the idea of being a warrior and being a warrior who um, is touched by a deeper commitment than just to a nation or even to an ideal. It's very interesting to me in the Gospels that when uh, Jesus' life is coming to an end and he's on the cross, that the text says in Matthew, the 27th chapter, as Jesus died, there was a huge earthquake. 
And when the centurion, this is Matthew 27, when the, and the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, surely he was the son of God. Here are holy scriptures that put sort of the affirmation, or the validation of who Jesus was in the mouth of a soldier. The idea of putting those words in the mouth of a warrior, if you will, someone who was committed to obedience and, and to devotion is just fascinating to me. When I think about that again, that idea, I think again of a, of a centurion. Centurion, by the way, uh, in, the, in the Roman army, if a legion were 6,000 men, a centurion had responsibilities for 100. A centurion led the charge. They were to the Roman legions, I think in no small part what a master sergeant is in today's battle plans. People who lead men and women into battle, but they're at the tip of the spear, if you will. There's another passage in the Gospels where Jesus commends the faith of a centurion. He had been talking with some people, and in in Luke, the seventh chapter, it says, when Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum, and there a centurion's servant, whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus, sent some elders of the Jews to him, asked him to come and heal a servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him. This man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. This is, this is the centurion. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to him. Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you, but say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go and he goes, and that one, come and he comes. And I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him and turned to the crowd following him. He said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in all of Israel. So here is Jesus commenting on a soldier who has faith, who trusts in him. I want to introduce you to one of those today. It's actually a a soldiering family in a lot of ways. Uh, My friend's name is Kirk Foster, and he is from... Fort Collins, went to Fort Collins High School. He has a wife named Leah and two little girls, and they currently live in Texas. But I met Kirk, and and also I want to speak to his mother. So I'm going to speak to Kirk and Leah uh, today, and then in the next podcast, I'm going to speak to his mom. But um, let's meet Kirk and get a sense for who he is. I met him when he was 23 years old, that would be 14 years ago now, and he was about to be deployed for the third time as an airborne ranger to Ramadi in Iraq. And out of that came a friendship. So we've been friends for the last 14 years. He's been gone most of that time, but I just really have come to appreciate him a lot. Here's Kirk. Your army, you're, you're not just any old army, you are Army Airborne Ranger. Are all Rangers Airborne Rangers? 
That's, that's right. All If you're signed to the 75th Ranger Regiment, which um, are the re- actual Ranger units, then you are airborne. So I'm thinking to myself, I met you a number of years ago when you were 23 years old. How and when did you decide to be a soldier? I think I kind of always, always knew. Uh, growing up, I was always outside, just playing, pretend, you know, soldier, whether it be in a, a knight or you know, army, military guy, just wearing whatever camouflage, whatever toy guns I could find. So, as a kid, I think I was always just kind of playing, playing army. So I don't think it really shocked anybody. I think my my family all knew that that was probably a likely choice I was going to make. And then as time kind of moved on I mean I did fine in school I enjoyed you know sports but I just kind of knew I was always going to join the, the military and you went straight out of high school 18 years old so half your life you've been a soldier in your head you were always a soldier apparently <laughs> yeah no I just I always wanted to you know serve there's a little bit of that excitement, you know, going right. out and challenging yourself to see, right. you know, how you would stand up. And as I was getting close to make my decision, I was kind of looking into all different units. So I knew I wanted to do some type of special operations. Right. And then the Rangers, what I uh, landed on is uh, through my own research, just right. knew that that was the unit I wanted to try to be a part of. You don't look mean. I'm just saying. <laughs> but you're tough. I, I hope so. I definitely. <laughs> Other people would say you are. Yeah. No, it's, uh, yeah, I, I kind of get that a lot. Like, I mean, they think, um, but just being able to know when that side, that toughness needs to come through. Like right now with my daughters, you know, similar to like turn a switch. Yeah. So we're sitting here with, with your little ones. One is a year and a half. Eight months, eight months and three and a half. So we're sitting here with your wife and with your mom. I'm going to talk to them now. So you just (laughs) stand guard over there and we'll just talk. And those of you listening, if you hear little people in the background, the reason is that there are little people in the background. Now let me go to that other warrior in the family, his wife, Leah mother of two, at home, praying, working, caring for the kids while he's overseas, deployed. And here's my conversation with Leah. So what he's off doing, what he's doing for the nation, for us, you're at home doing what? Um, Everything. Uh, You have to take on all the roles, um, especially now with kids, making sure that they don't feel a huge disruption in their lives, especially. And then, you know, I have to become the repair man and, you know, managing everything, making sure everything stays together as best as I can and so that all he has to focus on is what he's doing over there. Right. And so you're you're fighting to keep things normal. Yeah, as much as possible. So so when he comes home, let's say he's the leader, right? whatever mm-hmm. he comes home you've been the leader yeah <laughs> and then he comes home how does that go I mean it's been a process I think of finding our groove with that and making sure that especially maybe after the first couple of times um that I knew how like when and where to step back sure and that he knew when and where to step back yeah giving ourselves that grace period to to find our new groove and and let 
um, Hannah was the one that has been through separations the most and just her kind of figuring out who he is in her day to day yeah and letting letting them kind of work that out together yeah and you represent in it in a lot of ways you know thousands of military wives in any of the services and and the burden of fighting for normalcy uh, I suppose even establishing and reestablishing who I am Mm -hmm. because it's this ever-changing scenario it isn't just that you're at home but you can also change locations right yeah, we um, it's definitely a reinvention process that happens pretty frequently, and we do have to kind of stop every so often and check back in with each other and figure out where we where we stay with different things and how we feel about different things, so that we don't this let this process separate us too much um, in a in a more of a relational sense than a physical sense. Yeah. And definitely, you know, going from girlfriend to fiance to wife to mom over the course of all these deployments um i do change a lot and allow he you know him allowing me to do that and vice versa so i had this interview with kirk last fall in september of 2019 let me insert this what i haven't told you about him is this that he's a master sergeant in the army but as of this day of the recording. Today he graduated from the Sergeant Major Academy and is on assignment to the 101st Airborne Division. Sergeant Major in the in the US military is the highest level of non-commissioned officers, enlisted but a leader of men and women and significant responsibilities. So that's a that's a great benchmark, if you will, a a rite of passage for Kirk. But beyond that, let me just tell you about his awards. He won't talk to you about this, but I would talk to you about this. You get a Purple Heart if you're wounded in battle. Kirk has three. You get a Commendation, Army Commendation Medal if you do some significant things. And he has two of those, both with the additional V for Valor and three Meritorious Service Medals. It's really a significant thing if someone in the military, in the Army, gets a Bronze Star for Valor in Battle. Kirk has five. And beyond that, he has two Silver Stars both of which were awarded in the same month, some years back. So you have the Congressional Medal of Honor, which is the highest award. You have the Distinguished Service Cross, which is the next, and then Silver Stars, Bronze Stars, etc. So I'm talking to a young man at age 37 who has served not only his nation, but his Lord well in terms of his faith. And... How do you handle all that? How do you handle the kinds of things you see in war and are part of? You're decorated. 
you've been, you have three Purple Hearts? Yeah, three Purple Hearts. For wounds? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to ask you to show me where those are. <laughs> <laughs> Just between us, we're good. Uh, but you have a number of bronze stars, you got a couple of silver stars. I mean, when you're in the fight, you're not thinking, man, I hope I get a bronze star for this. You know, that that's yeah. just stuff that other people recognize, correct? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and I would say that mentality can be very dangerous. I would think. Um, and that's why I always tell a lot of people when they do see my, like, my amount of awards, I always like, oh, man, I want to try to do that. And I tell them, like, no, you don't. You can't. The, all these... All these came with a, a price, and I'd give them all back. You know, mm. you know, my buddies were still there. So the mm. things that you have seen in your youth, you're still a, you're still young. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just a kid to me, right? I'm more than twice as old as you are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you've seen more of life and death than 99.9 percent of the world would see. And you've had responsibility, as you've already mentioned, for having to take life in order to save life. Do it. Mm-hmm. Does that sound? Am I saying that right? Yep. No, I, I think that's a good way to kind of say it. So, how do you process that? Because it's just the heat. Of, I know. I know there are people who are totally broken down by way less than that. How do you? How have you processed that over time? How do you deal with it? Yeah, I think um, it's definitely hard. And right after it happened, a lot of it was, you know, certain times. It's always easiest just to try to, you know, forget about it or you know, block just not it block it out. But as time's gone on, I think about it more, and then comes down to, uh, you know, faith. Like I said, if at the beginning is you know. I, I, this is what I knew I wanted to do, you know, since I was a little kid. So I, so I'd say God called me to, called me to do. So I think my, my actions in those circumstances, you know, as bad as they were, they could have been worse. Yeah. Had you know maybe someone that didn't have that faith and you know panicked. Sure. Or, um, so I, I just tried to didn't try. I did my best in each of those circumstances, um, and you know, for whatever reason, I, I you survived. lived, and you know, a couple of my friends didn't. But at the same time, I took those lessons and tried to the next mission. You know, make sure we learned from it. So, so you you said this was like a calling, like King David was a warrior, that sort mm-hmm. of thing, or. Or Paul chained between two Roman guards, and when he describes faith, he says the helmet of this, and the breastplate of that, and yeah. the feet shot of the. In, in that that warrior uh, life mm-hmm. or mentality, in any culture, we need people like you to do things that we either can't or don't want to, or too scared to. Is that fair to say yeah, like no, that? Yeah, I, I, I definitely think that's true. So when these things happen, how do you how do you deal? I want to come back to that because some some of your I mean PTSD is real, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's in war, my wife Ruth collapsed with sudden cardiac death six years ago. I had PTSD yeah. afterward. You know this mm-hmm. this stress and how do you how have you as far as you can tell how have you avoided that? 
Because um, some people go to counseling. Yeah, so. I think I think for one is all those circumstances. Like I believed in what we were doing, and I believed in my actions. Um, so I think uh, you know the enemy. You know, I was able to eliminate the enemy, knowing that those were the the bad guys. I mean, it was right. kill or be killed. Um, so that kind of plays into it. Like I, I go to bed every night knowing that, you know, I did the right thing. You it's know, an honorable. Thing. So uh, that that helps. And then uh, I'd say just talking about it with, you know, the guys that experienced it with you. And that was kind of something I didn't do a, a good enough job. I think initially. Um, but as I've so you've learned I've, that. I've experienced that and you know learn I try to make sure I explain that to some of the younger guys that go through similar events it's, you know do just kind of talk about it you don't necessarily need to go see you know uh, a psychologist it, unless that's what you need but just talking about it with your buddies or Everybody. someone's close to you um, someone that went through that uh, similar if not yeah. same event um, definitely helped but you do more than that. You go out on the water, right? Mm -hmm. can, you, yeah. can you tell us that? Yeah, and is then that? All, having that, uh, one of my favorite hobbies is scuba diving. So uh, it's been a little bit difficult now that i got two, two young daughters. <laughs> but uh, my wife and I both, um, I even told this as we were kind of dating, was that, that she better get scuba certified because one of my uh, ways of relaxing is after each deployment going someplace tropical and spending some time scuba diving just going so, down and leaving it on the bottom mm -hmm. yeah that's a good way to put it it's i think that's a powerful metaphor i went to your wedding and i go over to sign the wedding register and there are pictures i think three two or three fellows in ranger uniform they were your friends mm -hmm. tell me about that and why were they there why were the pictures there do you, do you mind telling me yeah that? no they were three uh buddies of mine uh dylan uh ryan and ricky uh so just three guys that uh, that, uh two were actually in my well all three of them were in my squad at one point um two of one were killed you know right next to me just kind of we were in on separate missions one was in 05 and the other was in 2009 uh, but again they were right there and in a firefight uh, and they were killed and then my buddy Ricky was I, I switched to a different uh, company he stayed in one and then he was killed on a deployment so yeah they're just uh, three guys that I you know I knew that you know had they still been around they would have been there at my wedding and also uh, three guys that, you know, they sacrificed uh, their lives so that I had that opportunity, you know, to you know, be married to my, my beautiful wife and have the two daughters that I have now, so. Wow. And you're, you're in the process of becoming a Sergeant Major, mm -hmm. which is the, would be the highest non-commissioned rank or officer in the Corps. You could have been an officer. Like, you could have gone to OCS. Why didn't you do it? Isn't the pay better if you're, like, a major or something? Oh, yeah. Not just a sergeant yeah. major. I mean. Pay is definitely, <laughs> definitely better as an officer. But uh, I'd say you just um, you don't get that same day-to-day -day interaction uh, with with all the 
the guys, you know, you know, from being that rifleman and working your way all the way up. And that's a more, I just wanted to be more of the, the guy on the front lines, you know, uh, that's what all I could strive to do. I never went in thinking I'm going to be, uh, you know, a, a leader necessarily. I just yeah. wanted to be, you One know, the, the best soldier the I could be yeah. and then continue to move up, but still liked, you know, being, being right there at the, the point of, friction so always kind of stayed as the NCO your uh, your father's a builder mm -hmm. construction big guy great athlete along the way I understood but he, he, when I talk to you it feels like that you're like the hands-on you like to design strategies and tactics and would that be correct when, yeah I, when I'd say that? yeah no I think the biggest thing I was think when I think of my dad is his work ethic and kind of attention to detail. Um, that's really what I uh, took from him is, you know, he's a, one of the hardest workers that I know. And yeah, just me too. Yeah, his, I see that. His attention to detail and his, his preparation. Um, a lot of that, you know, I, I think I take from him or, you know, he's probably the first person I know that's up in the morning <laughs> preparing. So. 3.30, right? <laughs> yeah. So... I never have to worry about calling him too early. <laughs> yeah, no, that's very true. <laughs> so, so in your 18 years in the military, give me a couple of three things. And again, this is spontaneous. Just give it a go. That you have learned about life, about and what counts. And yeah, no, I mean I'd say it's you know something to treasure. Um, it's worth fighting for. And I think. Uh, you know, when you, for in my uh, experience, being so close to those kind of close calls, mm -hmm. I've, you know, I've appreciated life, I think, more than most people. I mean, I think a lot of people still do, but I don't think you really can Not appreciate the it the same way. So every, every second I get with my two daughters, I'm extremely thankful, even if it's the current one that's awake at 4.30 in the morning, you know. <laughs> well, she could get up with your dad. <laughs> yeah. Give her to your dad. No, he's already gone. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, but, yeah, so I'm just extremely thankful for, you know, all the uh, blessings I've had and just the time I get with with my family. And I think the two kind of complement each other. I want to, I want to be the best dad and husband, so I strive for that. But at the same time, that makes me, you know, a better army leader because when it comes time to training, uh, doing a job in the army, it's, you know, you want to get down to business and do it, do it right so you can make it back to your family and do it because um, you're missing that time. You want to make sure your time, you know, is, is spent being productive. Yeah. One last question. So you're, you're part of that warrior breed, if I can use that phrase. But um, you're also one of the, I mean, you follow the commander in chief. You know, you took that oath, right? Mm -hmm. That you raised your right hand when you were an 18 year old and said, um, I promise, I pledge to um, defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, domestic and foreign and to obey the orders of my superiors from my immediate superior all the way to the commander in chief. 
but you have another commander in chief that is beyond that one. You're this. You're one of those Jesus follower guys, mm -hmm. for Pete's sake. <laughs> yeah. How does how does your how has your faith and your trust in God played into your life as you're in the with the guys in the middle of battle or or just you know just hanging out yeah. whatever? How does it play in? Yeah, um, I I'd say it for me it helps me uh, just. Like uh, Psalm 140, I think it's 140. Um, I just you covered my head in the day, on the day of battle, so I just kind of, mm. you know, I know um, that you know he's things are, you know, could always go poorly, but I know God's looking after me, and then just that f faith in Him and Jesus, it kind of I think gives me a little bit of a calm in those chaotic situations because mm. you know I know uh, you know worst case you know happens yeah. I'm spending an eternity You're in good. paradise so I'm I'm fine and that just kind of allows me to kind of try to my mind I don't think is as cluttered as maybe I've seen other guys when that time sure. hits sure um, so. So before before you're called to be a warrior, you're called to follow him. Mm -hmm. That's a good combination. And then Chaplain uh, Struker, which is obviously, you know, very famous Army chaplain. Uh, we did a prayer breakfast. When he came down, and spoke at uh, Third Rain Battalion when I was there, and he, he, I'm trying to say how he worded it, but he said, you know, following Jesus Christ allows you to become the most dangerous warrior on the battlefield, mm -hmm. and that's kind of something that really uh stuck with me and um it's, it's definitely it's definitely helped me that's fantastic well joe thank you for this talk more than that thank you for wearing the cloth of the nation for helping defend the nation but also protect our freedoms so we can talk about jesus and have a podcast and put it on the air without fear of reprisal <laughs> yeah and uh, I'm grateful, and I'm, I've been honored to know you these past 18 years, and I look forward to the years ahead. No, thank you very much. I'm happy to do it. I appreciate your friendship with the family, yeah. especially to my dad, and you know, there at at my wedding, and then you know, I'll never forget coming up and speaking with you there right before I went to Ramadi for that deployment. So mm. always appreciated you your kind words and your friendship. God bless you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Life is not just a journey. It's a fight. And we fight through things and we fight for things. We fight, as Kirk does, for an idea. If you're listening to this and you're military or former military, you would recognize this language. It's enlistment day, a cluster of young people stand at semblance of attention, and when told they raise their right hands and repeat after the officer, I do solemnly swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, I will obey the orders of the President of the United States and the orders of the officers appointed over me according to regulations in the Uniform Code of Military Justice. So help me God. 
This is a pledge. This is an oath, a covenant, not just a contract. It's a covenant. It's a promise. And and it's to an idea to defend the Constitution of the United States. So it, it carries freight and weight. And I have to admit, not having served myself except one semester of Air Force ROTC in college, that I am both touched and somewhat overwhelmed at the dedication and the men and women who help to provide for the common defense, if I can phrase it that way. So coming back to centurions, people who lead, you get to Acts 10, and a centurion, a Roman, is used by God to share the gospel with a whole other part of the world besides the Jewish people. And then Paul, he gets in all kinds of trouble when you read the book of Acts and he's being transported to Rome and the ship wrecks and the soldiers want to kill the prisoners they're transporting uh, because if they could pay with their lives if the, if the prisoners escaped. And it's a centurion in Acts 27 that commands them not to do that and he saves Paul's life. Thank you to those who wear the cloth of the nation for what you are doing, what you have done to keep the fight for freedom alive. Thank you for your faithfulness and your devotion. And I just, for one, express my uh, undying gratitude for what you have done. So it's because of you that we get to have a podcast like this, Freedom of Speech or that we get to go to houses of worship, even if we do it long distance by video. Because of you and your commitment, that happens. And I, for one, am grateful. God bless you. Thanks for your time. We'll see you in a few days. Thank you.